0: For Richard Swift For John and Bill For every gift Lifted far before its will Judy and Smith For Berman too I've met the myth Hanging heavy over you I loved you long
1: All right, dive in. all right welcome everyone this is another episode of that record got me hi i'm your host rob Elbert. it's great having you all here as always it's a lovely afternoon i'm um, Sipping some water I already had my coffee And I have a guest who uh, drove in special And he. uh, we decided to do it in the afternoon Basically for me And he's retired now So he could do that Uh, Let's welcome returning guest Back to the show Mr. Tom Lawry Welcome back to the show, Tom Thanks for having me, Rob Again Uh, St. Petersburg Still in St. Petersburg Still am, still am Yes, so we drove down from St. Petersburg And he's retired You're retired and uh, I am for just for a couple of months And so far it's going good, right?
2: Oh yeah, first two months have been absolutely fabulous
1: Awesome, awesome. Well, Let's keep that going and you brought, I, I guess, an appropriate, I, I always say, am I surprised by the record you, you picked? And maybe because obviously we're, uh, it's funny, Tom. Now, you and, uh, you and Barry, we found out later that uh, a former co-host, Barry Stopped, you and Barry lived in the same area and found out that you guys went to a lot of the same shows together but didn't know each other. Yeah, he was always that guy in front of me with,
2: uh, <laughs> you know, at the band show with the girl on <laughs> right. his shoulders. Like, who the, who the fuck's this? Get him out of the way. Oh, that, <laughs> I don't know. think that was Barry. No, but. <laughs> no. But he was at those shows. You're right.
1: But we're all right. So we're all around the same mm. age, though. Yeah. So, but it's great that you picked a band uh, and an album very recent and and a younger band. So what is let's uh, let's get right to it. What is the band and album we're talking? About?
2: Okay, the band is Fleet Foxes and the album is their fourth album, Shore.
1: Yeah, Shore, and which just came out in 2020. 2020. Right. And all right. A, so yeah. my first thing I'm curious of. When did you? Get into Fleet Fox.
2: Okay, so in 2009, uh, this magazine, Uncut, you familiar with it? They used to put CDs in the back of their yes. magazine. Yes, And they had this one in 2009 that was uh, that had the Fleet Foxes uh, Your Protector song off their first album. Listened to the whole thing, loved it, but loved that song, like, bam.
0: She left a week to roam, your protector's coming home. So I
2: went back and got the the first album, so uh, which came out in 2008, and loved the band ever since. But
1: there's been big breaks, you know. They've right. had. I big breaks in between And I've always mm. They're one of these bands That I've always Seen their name And read about it But yeah. never listened to Never got into it At all And they were kind of So they were kind of Like wonderkins right? Like really young guys Oh yeah Weren't they like School friends And they And they uh, And they got signed by Sub Pop When right. they were You know Young uh, And And uh, and they kind of broke out. but uh, So how would you describe the music? Because I've read folk and like indie folk. Yeah, so f- first, you're, you're right.
2: He knew the, some seventh grade, the guys in the band. Right. Um, and uh, they, um, they all started working at Bimbo's House of Big Burritos, which I didn't know this till I heard this, is where the Shins and uh, Band of Horses and oh, Modest okay. Mouse guys all, right.
1: all played. Broken
2: Sub Pop, you know, they all got to know each other, and Sub Pop picked them up. But they right. were 20 years old when they made that first album. Exactly, 20 years and, old. Yeah. And that's why I picked this album instead of the—their first album is great. Love it, still love it today. But this one's a lot more mature as far as the themes. He's 36, 34 when he makes this album versus right. that one.
1: Robin, so who are we talking about?
2: This is Robin, Robin Pecknold.
1: Yep. Pecknold, mm-hmm. and basically, it's kind of weird. He kind of made this album on his own, not really with the rest of the band, right?
2: Ka- kind of had to. Uh, he made it all over the place. Um, but he didn't use the band. He used uh, a lot of folks that he knew, some guys from Grizzly Bear, basically Chris Bear, the drummer, a couple of other folks, uh, the young lady that sings on some of these songs he just met through, uh, actually through an industry, and we'll talk about that on this song. Right, right, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, he kind of picked and chose who he wanted on this, and and some of that, especially the rhythm section, really plays through, if you ask me. That's what really pings on this album.
1: Oh, yeah, well, there's great instrumentation great playing a uh, very um uh brian wilson uh, pet sounds by by get because yeah. he's also this guy that's obviously talented super talented has all this music in his head and and he definitely in a record as we'll see he pays uh homage to a lot of people that he loves and oh he does and, and he, yeah
2: yeah pet sounds brian wilson you know lives large on this album but not just him you know there's this album when you say what does it sound like it's You know, you'd say bucolic, you'd say insular. (laughs) It's very bright, though. It's very alive. It punches more than some of the earlier albums. But it has a feel to me like... Uh, like brighter layer or Astro Weeks, you know, where the whole album is kind of this own little novel of itself.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely, um, definitely. I wrote, I wrote. It's a, it's a big, sweeping, musically cinematic. Uh, yeah, yeah, al- al- album uh, with some heavy themes, but overall lightness. It, it has a very light feel. Uh, a, a
2: lightness with a balance. The thing that's more mature now is he used to be either very dark or very light, and here he understands life a little bit better now that he's gone through a bit
1: more of it right <laughs>
2: yes. now that he he's so old he's
1: like yeah he's 36 like dear 30s. god <laughs> yeah. well
2: for rock and roll he, he said this oh yeah i'm an old man in rock and roll it's years. great
1: well and he kind of addressed it on the he album and it's great I, he does he does uh, i love that
2: but yeah uh, there's there's a lot of folks that he plays homage to and we can we can talk about that you know on the on the second song
1: yeah 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 so let's uh yeah so there are a lot of songs so we should get to it but very uh the album just there's a lot i mean it it's a hard, it's not an album that you're just gonna sit down and listen to and get it r- right away. No, no. There's depths
2: about it, both on the lyrics and the music. That even you know, yesterday I was listening to some stuff and I picked up new new things. Right, right. You know, yeah, I, it's. I just it's I love how he layered the music on this album. I just love it.
1: But all right, so you were a fan of this band already, fan. Uh, 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 so when you got this, were you like uh, blown away, kind of blown away? Because it is different. I went back and listened to some of their other stuff and it's great. Yeah, but this is different. Uh, yes, and, and it was a three year break. So
2: he did, um, you know, he did his second album, Helplessness Blues. Love that album wait for the third album six years later he goes to right right goes to university of columbia or columbia university um which he said later was a big mistake but (laughs) once again that's maturity right you know um and then does crack up thought, uh-oh, he's starting to slip a little. It's still a good album, but it's very, I don't know, some people say prog. It's just very mired. And then this comes out, and like, bam, I think that this is just his mature album, and you know when you talk when you listen to him, he says I'm more worried about my fourth and fifth album than it was my first. So many g- groups come out with a great first album. Right, right. It's the fourth album and third album that are really hard to put together. Right. So right. yeah, I I was blown away. But, you know, I went back and forth. Should I do the first one? Should I do this one? Oh, okay, okay. Because everybody loves the first one, maybe the most. Right. right. But um, despite this being up for a Grammy, I still love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah,
1: that's right. Well, I mean, I can understand that. Uh, all right. So the first thing, kind of a, uh, it has some songs on it I think of almost like um, a transitional song so that yeah. bring you into the next one and it sort of opens with something like that let's listen to the opening track Waiting in Waist High Water Summer all
0: over on timing, in August water <laughs> sunlight covered over, waiting inside a fire, and we're finally aligning, more than maybe I can choose
1: So it's real, and I'm fading it out right here, but it really just sort of kicks in and hits. But, all right, so right from the start, you must be thinking, well, who who is this singing, right?
2: Right, right. It's uh, Uwade uh, Akire. And uh, one of his buddies, first of all, he was having problems trying to get in the right key for this song. He couldn't fit. Right, right, right. So one of his buddies uh, says, listen to this lady on Instagram doing your song Mykonos. And he, he looks her up, um, brings her in, and she's the one that sings this. And she has just the voice of an angel. Right. And matter of fact, she's opening for him uh, on a lot of the tour. And oh, nice, nice. I saw um, they did a live feed um, August of last year, and uh, she opened then and did this song and did some of the other songs, too. She's just wonderful. Wonderful. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So basically, he, he asked her, and she said, yeah. And she was a student at Columbia, too. Oh, okay, um, okay. So I don't, you know, that's just pure coincidence, I think. But anyway... Um, yeah, the lyrics of this are kind of uh, the beginning of the theme, but this was not supposed to be the first song on the album. The next one was, and he right. kind of, yeah. he kind of liked this so much, he put it in there because it feels like you know a good intro. It is.
1: It's an, yeah. it's nice. It's a nice short little two minute intro, yeah. and it's kind of badass of a guy that's that's the main leader and singer to have someone else sing the opening track to his uh, to this epic album he's putting. Yeah, together, before I know? forget,
2: he just seems like a nice guy. Uh, you know, I've listened to a dozen interviews, and he's oh, just okay. not. He doesn't seem
1: like. You know, Roger Waters. <laughs> exactly. There you go. All right. So this is the uh, the, the, the real, kind of real first song. But mm-hmm. this is what we were talking about where the lyrics, uh, he sort of references his musical heroes. A lot of his musical heroes that are gone now, he references, uh, he references. Let's listen to Sunblast. For Richard Swift, for
0: John and Bill, for every gift lifted far before its will Judy and Smith, for Vermin too I've met the myth hanging heavy over you I loved you long, you rose to go Beneath you songs, perfect angels in the snow So time to stay, forget reserved
1: Richard Swift for John and Bill for every gift lifted uh, far before its will Judy and Smith for Berman too so who who are these people he's talking about
2: Uh, Richard Swift Uh, I didn't know Richard Swift till I started getting into this band and Richard Swift is unfortunately he died of um, alcohol related you know a a liver problem in 2018 but uh, he mentions a little farther down the song The Hex and that's a fabulous album (laughs) It's, it's kind of like uh, David Bowie along with uh, a couple of other, you know, he's got a little vaudeville in there. And then um, the guy who did The Point, uh, Harry Nilsson. Right, uh, right, right, right. You know, it's like that blended in together. But then John Prine, love John Prine. Bill Withers, you know, Ain't No Sunshine. Right, uh, right, right. Um, Judy Sill I didn't know about her Till I actually started Listening to this record and Oh okay okay She's kind of a, a Tragic figure She did two good albums And they put one together later She's kind of a, a Singer uh, Songwriter From the early 70s Died of a heroin overdose Young uh, But the two albums Are very good uh, I especially like The second one Elliot Smith Love Elliot Smith yeah, I can't course, believe yeah. Somebody hadn't done uh, One of those episodes yet but Not that's, yet. yeah, But yeah, yeah. And then um, David Berman From
1: the Silver Silver Jews, Jews, which is yeah, incredible songwriter, and and you could see, I could see why someone like him would love uh, his song. Oh yeah, yeah, and he did you know Purple Mountain
2: too. Purple Mountain.
0: Friends are warmer than gold when you're old. Keeping them is harder than you might suppose. Lately, I tend to make strangers wherever I go. I love that.
2: So, and then he just goes on. This is basically, um, thank you for all the music that you gave to me. Uh, I'm on the shoulders of giants. Um, this is also, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but a tribute to his grandfather who had a stroke oh, at no, the time. Oh, I no, didn't. I didn't. So, uh, it's not just uh, the musicians, but it's all the people that uh, built him up. Right, right. You know, so it's kind of a mission statement that ties the whole album together. This is not just me liking, you know, this music. It's me thanking them for giving me the opportunity to learn from them and put it all together. Oh, okay, okay.
1: Yeah, nice. And and I'll I'll tell you, uh, Tom. I'm gonna be honest. When I this uh, this record is dense it and is. there's a lot. So I wasn't sure whether I was totally on board at first. I, I because like I said, it's too much to take in. So I listened to it a lot, and I kept going back and forth. And I, and these songs, as most great music does, it gets starts getting under your skin, and then you real, and you see, and it's a subtle. A lot of it's subtle, but then not all of it is. Some of it's just like great playing and great yeah. musicianship, but they're not songs. They're not like these hooky pop songs that are gonna grab you
2: right away. They take some time to get into. You're right. Yeah. And he deliberately makes some pauses in here with some simpler songs, and adds some horns later on. From a group called the Westerlies, which yeah, are, yeah, um, which kind of mixes it up because if does. it all sounded like this, I think it would be a little too much,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, and uh, this next one, can I believe you? All right, so this is Uwadi. Akir sings on this again, and also he's got a chorus with the. We'll, we'll talk about it yeah. with a bunch of other people, but let's just to a little of "Can I Believe You." Up, but you have this layer of uh, voices in the background, so explain what's going on there.
2: Yeah, that could have been me if, I, <laughs> if I'd have been on Instagram. So, um, they asked on, Insta- on their Instagram account to uh, have 400 500 people. Do that intro, right? And Beatrice Atrola, uh, uh, Artola basically mixed it down into that. So that's 400 fans at the beginning, in the middle, and the end, <laughs> yeah, all it, singing.
1: It, it's cool. And then you know, it could almost se- seem like a gimmick, sound like a gimmick thing, but you could tell he was really going for it with this record. He was not uh, afraid to try different things, and he was going to do you know what, whatever. So it really is a, a kind of a sell. I mean, it's cool for an artist to do this. It's a celebration of your fans, obviously. To, to put them on this and it, it is him. it
2: is and like I said earlier you know it's harder to do the fourth or fifth album than the first album right um, right, right. Uh, just a couple things this is probably the more personal one of the more personal songs on it it's more about him getting over insecurities and you know getting an in-depth um, I don't think it's a specific relationship but just right. relationships in general and showing your true self Um, and apparently it has an odd time signature, but I'm going to leave that to the drummers, not me, to to pull that out.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, there's Mm. a a lot throughout Mm. this whole record. There's a lot of different time signatures and also a lot of very... um, uh, not not your traditional song structures, verse, right, chorus, right. verse at, at all You know, he definitely plays with that And just totally throws a lot of that out the window Yeah, some of them don't
2: have choruses at all
1: Yeah, exactly, it, yeah. exactly All right, so the next one, Jarrah, uh Titled, you know, a lot of this uh, you wouldn't know until you read about it And it does, so it's uh, titled after the uh, a Chilean singer and political activist uh, Victor Jara, who was tortured and killed during the dictatorship of Augusto uh, Pinochet no, none of this I would know. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I, I knew it. all that ahead of time. Yeah, I figured. No, I yeah, didn't. Sure. No, I had to look it up too. <laughs> but it's but it's also just yeah. like a really pretty great song. It is. Let's listen to Jar. listen to it the rhythm section the percussion and the bass going on in here is like really great
2: there's something else very unique I'd never heard of before I looked it up. Hocketing. You ever heard of Hocketing? No. Me neither. <laughs> uh, Mira O'Reilly is this uh, lady who did, at the very beginning when it opens up, you know, that uh, voice is going back and yeah, forth. Yeah, yeah, right. Sounds like, uh, you know, multiple tune uh, from O Superman, you know, Laurie Anderson's. Right, right. Different yes. tune. Yeah. But that's called Hocketing. It goes all the way back to the Renaissance period where you oh, just had that. okay. And he mixes that at the beginning and at the end. Um, but it's kind of hard to not talk about politics if you're going to talk about, you know, this, this album, because this is about activists in general and also the sacrifices they make. So, yeah, Victor Jara, like you mentioned, uh, disappeared during the dictatorship, uh, overthrow the, the U S backed, uh, overthrow by Pinochet and 73. And that was, you know, Nixon's period, uh, yeah, a little dark period. Well, another dark period of us trying to be, um, anti-communist at any cost. Right. right. And the cost was uh, thousands of Chilean lives. Um, yeah. depending on who you talk to 3000, 10,000 people disappeared and died. Oh, wow. So, um, it's, it's about that, but it's also about activists today, not to give up the fight.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And, that, and, that's nice. And I'm going to be honest. This is the one song where I had to sort of put my musical elitism aside, because it sounded like a Coldplay to me a little. It sounded like it could oh, be a, a Coldplay song. But, <laughs> you know, but the thing is, there's some, I mean, there's some great Coldplay songs, and it's it's because it sounds so pretty, uh-huh. and so, and you know, but, but like you said, there's some heft underneath, and there's some meat underneath it all, but that takes, but on the surface, that was the first thing I thought of. Okay, well, I'm too close to it to deny <laughs> that,
2: and I'll say, okay, there might be two Coldplay songs that are worth it, but,
1: you know. Uh, okay, uh, well, whatever. It's, I, I, it's like that episode
2: you did of, you know, what's the song you like from a band you yes, hate? Yes, and uh, <laughs> okay, all right. Mitchener,
1: Steve Mitchener picked the. Oh, actually, I think two different people picked uh, Coldplay songs. Yeah, alright, right. Yeah. so you love to hate them <laughs> There you go um, Alright, so this next one, Featherweight supposedly, I guess he was having trouble coming up with uh, lyrics for the record so uh, I guess this song sort of came to him, the lyrics because he had done a lot of the music already and he was kind of struggling for lyrics yeah. and I guess when this one came to him it, he felt like it kind of opened up the floodgates for a lot of others.
2: It did, it did. I'll, I'll talk about that after you. All, All right, let's listen to a little bit of
0: Featherweight. All this time
1: Well, I,
2: I decided to stay after the Coldplay comment. But.
1: <laughs> that's good. Yeah, Tom did. He almost <laughs> took his uh, uh, his headphones off and stormed out. But I, I'll I can power him through to it. Stay. Yeah. Uh,
2: so um, this uh, musically, this is like it sounds like an AM radio sort of vocals. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. You know, like Bread or America. <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. So good. okay, that that's you know, I, I, but then he has this weird piano in the middle, almost like free jazz, like Cecil Taylor. Right. Right. Piano right. in the middle to mix, and that's what I love about this album there's all kinds of little sprinkles of weird stuff in oh
1: them. yeah that you don't get necessarily you, you do the first time around you right. got to re-listen really and I discovered that with a lot of these songs
2: and you know as far as the lyrics remember what a clusterfuck 2020 was so he's that's it see I was going to
1: say that yeah. any album written at that time the of course the uh, pandemic and the lockdown is, right. is is in there is in the mix
2: and he had Black Lives Matter going right past his place in uh, Manhattan you know so he was right, right. bringing drinks down to them and Right. It all rolls into just uh, you know how angry he used to be as a young man. And how he's a little more balanced now So this is the maturity coming out in his lyrics
1: Right, right, because the lyrics, I guess, it's sort of In uh, the fact that it's called Featherweight Which he doesn't actually mention it But it's an allusion to the fact that your own problems Sometimes seem, uh, you know, you realize, you know You obsess over these things, especially when you're younger And then you realize, compared to the big, bigger problems Going on in the world, they're maybe not such as big a deal As as you thought they were Right, right, remember when we used to argue about Who was the first punk group, or... (laughs) Well, yeah. you know no well, that's still something we can argue oh there about. we go that's there we important. go <laughs> uh all right uh a long way past the past uh it's another really nice song let's listen to a little bit of that Once again, this is him sort of talking about sort of maturing and like, uh, just growing up and, and yeah, it's, it's so funny that the difference, I mean, the difference between someone in their twenties and thirties can be a really big difference. I mean, some people, I know mean, nowadays there's people in their thirties that still act like they're in their twenties, but, uh, <laughs> <You're> <laughs> he's right. not one of those guys. No, no. And
2: you know, I, I think a lot of people think of themselves somewhere mentally in their 30s or 40s Like Right 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 I don't know right. if I feel Mentally in my age That I am right now No me welcome. neither Right yeah. same same um, <laughs> But it, what I love About this song First of all He has one lyric Where you I'd like to change the One word Instead of oh man I'd like it to be Old man Was it that much better than Oh me? was it that much Better than <laughs> yeah. yeah right It should but, be old yeah. man Right that, yeah. I mean Of course that's You know But um, the, the short answer Is no it wasn't You know we were exactly. Left alone We exactly. were proud of our pain It wasn't that much Better then. No It no. was only better For old white men. Yeah. yeah <laughs> the United right, States, right. you know, when you, uh, this country has a problem with looking back at how great it was in the fifties and sixties. Right. It wasn't yep. great for most of the people. Exactly, It was just great for a small amount of people. That's right. So yeah. I think, you know, that maybe he meant that maybe he meant more personally, but it's how much do you live in the past? Right. Right. How much right, of right. your personality is part of the past? And yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then, and, and, and to, to transfer that, how much do we listen to new music? So ah, okay. I'm going <laughs> to, you know, I looked up. You know, how many albums do we have from this century
1: out of the podcast? Yeah, eleven. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I made a comment, but that's great. That's why it I is. love when someone does pick. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, something that's more recent. I mean, that's great because I give you props for that because I'm guilty of that too, of not uh, uh, seeking out new stuff and sort of, you know, I have to be uh, bullied into it.
2: <laughs> I, I try to push it, you know, and yeah, like some yeah. of the uh, the ones you went through, the Harry Styles one. Uh, your daughters doing Taylor Swift. Right, right. Purple Mountains was this, you know. There's Yes, yes, yes. And yes. there's a couple others recently did that, you know, are very recent, but... Um, I'm trying to stay And it's so hard It is It's hard. so hard Because there's so much music Out there to find is, Yeah
1: And you have your old stuff That, that you just love And it's it is like good. comfortable It's like a comfortable Old blanket It is, it is. All right mm. I'm glad you mentioned Taylor Swift Because I mm. wanted to bring up This So he recorded this At uh, Aaron uh, Dessner's Or some of it At mm. Aaron Dessner's studio mm. And I feel like his even, even though he's not directly involved in it, his sort of influence is is I could hear it on a lot of this with uh, especially you know his work with the national and on Taylor Swift yeah folklore which is not you know it's not a knock or anything bad at all and this next one for a week or two is another one of those I think kind of transitional type songs it is right yeah. mm-hmm. all right let's listen to
0: for a week or two. bright
1: Little transition, and then it does transition into this song, which definitely I want to ask you a little about. But how do we pronounce it? Mistranza Mistranza. All right, let's, let's do it, then we'll talk about I looked it up. Mastranza, it's either a place in Spain or a military arsenal.
2: Yeah, or dock workers. <laughs> yeah,
1: So, but I, I, I'll i be honest. A lot of the lyrics on this are, are very, they're, they're nice and they're evocative, but mm. a lot of them I really can't. He, he could mean, you know, different things and I could maybe interpret it, but I could be totally wrong. I All right, know.
2: well, I'll throw it out there. Um, the Heartless are nearly gone. Um, and then the con men controlled my fate. I think he's talking about both politicians and the media. Oh, okay. Remember 2020, we were all over the road. Yes. You know, uh, yeah. uh, we had the election coming oh, up in yeah, America. Yeah. And again, clusterfuck.
1: I was uh, going to say that, yeah. but I think that election looms on this whole record somewhat. It does.
2: It, and, it, you know, the, the heartless nearly gone. You know, that, along with um, the the fact that I think, you know, he's talking about not just. Not just politicians, but how everybody's starting to polarize and only listen to the media that they want to hear right
1: oh yeah you know oh, and, yeah. and
2: this is is it's not gotten better in no. the last three years no um, the beginning of this song sounds like a band. I, the first time I heard this, and you're not going to pick it out of a, a, a hundred bands, it sounds like Talk, Talk to Me.
1: Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh,
2: Living in the Other World from um, uh, The Color of uh, Spring, or e- Spirit of Eden, I forget which one. Right, song. right. Yeah. right that which has, is great. Right, that is, so that is such a feel, that that reminds me of this album a little, although that's even
1: further into yes. its own world. Yeah, that's good. I didn't think of that, but yeah, you're absolutely right.
2: And then the drums really, dr- this is like his his vocals and the, and the percussion and drums and bass on this song.
1: Oh um, yeah, but but I didn't even, I didn't get to it, but I'm gonna definitely play it underneath because at about the two minute mark, there's a bridge. Yeah. That yeah, you know what I'm talking about, yeah. and it's like some quirky like uh, Pixies ish chords almost. It, it is. sounds like it could be the Pixies that really stand out because it's like wow, uh, where did that come from? And,
2: and what I like about this album, he'll just throw shit in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shit. It's
1: it's differences. It's twists <laughs> yeah.
2: that really make a kind of
1: a linear song a little different. Right. Uh, Alright, this song I feel like uh, is a very important song to the record, and we talked about it a little, but let's just listen to Young Man's Game. So good. So aside from the fact that it's just a great song, I love this because it uh, pokes fun. At, at And and some of this album, I mean, as a whole, it could be serious. And I guess that's something he probably noticed on a lot of his music. It's so serious. So I, I really like the way he's uh, uh, poking fun at this and, uh, uh, you know, just sort of looking at like he's how old, like you said. He's 36. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Now, he's <laughs> 34. Right. He, he was this. 34 when he's doing this. And he's saying, ah, this, uh, it's a young man's game. This <laughs> Yeah, I I love the line,
2: I've been solving for the meaning of life. No one tried before, and likely I'm right. Yeah,
1: right. (laughs) It's great. uh,
2: That's like John Prine Rynus, you know? He's just trying to... Uh, make these lyrics like i don't know i still don't know what the fuck's going on and right 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 right. i'm smart enough to know that i don't know anymore
1: (laughs) yeah and he's making fun of himself i love when he says i I could dress as arthur lee arthur lee of love over i guess he uh he he really loved uh scrape my shoes the right way maybe read uh, ulysses but it's a young man's game so it's like he's poking fun of himself not that long ago you know right right like uh you know
2: i went to florida state and Hung around a lot of English majors, and they all said they read Ulysses. You know, have you ever, you ever read, tried to read Ulysses? Oh God, yeah, no, D- no. Everybody terrible. gives it up, but yeah, yeah I know who, my best friend Scott. He's read it. I wouldn't believe bullshit from. I call bullshit on <laughs> everybody else that tried. But you know, it's him trying to say both in the music business, it's a young man's game. Yes, right. You right. know, and what do I do? Do I dress like Arthur Lee? Exactly. But yeah, also yeah. not just that, but you know, everything. There's a lot of things you just got to say. Okay that's just for young people.
1: Exactly, yeah, which I love. I I do that all the time now. I love yeah. it. It's great. It's one of the best things about getting older. Uh, all right, so do you know anything about the children? Because there's a little sort of children's choir in this. Do, do you know anything no, about no. that? No, no, you got me on that. Okay, uh, there's the children. It was rounded up by ex-Walkman frontman Hamilton Liedhauser. Oh, yeah, this is And it's two kids, yeah, yes. Georgiana oh. and uh, Frederica, and then two of their friends, and they sort of... They, they they do this little children's choir thing because he wanted to have some kids on there. Oh uh, yeah, they're credited
2: on the album. I just uh, <laughs> right, I just right. missed the reference, but yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, lo- this, I love that. Does That's this great. sound a little like Neutral Milk Hotel to you? Oh okay, yeah. yeah,
1: sure, sure, sure.
2: And he said he he thought he was going for a Fleetwood Mac sound on this, but I don't quite
0: hear it.
1: I you know what though? But and and it's not an overt thing, but I I had that in my notes at some point. The whole album as a whole, just the fact that it. It could hit in the way that a Fleetwood Mac could, where it's not, Fleetwood Mac never hit you over the head with anything. Right. But you get, you know, you listen to it and you get into it and you go, wow, there's some, you know, uh, These lyrics are going bad. on and... Uh, and-
2: that's, yeah, that's why my wife loves it. Lori, my beautiful wife, Lori, loves this album so much, too. Oh, okay. She's a big Fleetwood Mac fan. But right, right. I'd say the, 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 the one connection. difference is these are, you know, the, the lyrics here, a little more pointed once you start looking
1: at it. Right, and he probably wasn't doing uh, coke bumps in between every <laughs> song either, so that's probably different. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's listen to the next one here. Another uh, really pretty, somber song about i don't know i was thinking overcoming transcending the reality of your surroundings maybe uh let's listen to i'm not my season blood of my
0: blood skin of my skin you're in rondelay water again i want to face the condition you're in the old wrenches hardly turned. Can you catch a thrown line tied around me? Circle once about, please allow me. I see the pall coming off of our cheeks, we're weak, but a leaf is turning and I am
1: like Premise Well well time's not what I belong to and I'm not the season I'm in. I I, I like that. That's
2: really Yeah. Cool. And that's uh, one of the themes of this whole album. You know, this has kind of a Simon and Garfunkel feel to it. Oh and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, but but as far as the lyrics, it's just yourself is not tied just to the present. Right, you know, right, you, right, right. A lot of your personality is from the past. Yep. Um, you know, uh, this is he had some trouble writing the lyrics, and what he did was, although he started writing the music in twenty eighteen after the crack-up tour. It took him two years to do the the lyrics. And right, right. He'd get in his forerunner and, and drive to Upper State New York and stop, write the lyrics. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, right. dude, he'd started off with gibberish and then he'd, you know, yeah. like the McCartney method or something like right, that. Right, 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 right. But um, it, it took him almost till like a month before, you know, recording before to get all the lyrics down. Yeah, you know?
1: yeah. yeah. And it's good. And and, and that, I think, is uh, sort of adds to the... Elusiveness as uh, uh, to some of the album, where it's something you got to really absorb and get into and sort of get in the vibe because it's not, he's not doing narratives, these, you know, really obvious narratives in these songs. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I had to look up a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot to look up. But this one, uh, Quiet Air, uh, Joya or Mm -hmm. Goya uh, For me, this one is more about the music itself Because it's Mm -hmm. got those jazzy piano vibes It does And the music is kind of circular And it never-ending, it sort of revolves And Mm -hmm. to me, that's what this one uh, is The main thing with this one Let's listen to Quiet Air, Joya
2: of a um, an environmental song, so it's about um, global warming. Oh, okay, and, okay. Yeah, there's a there's a mention of hard rain here. That's both a Dylan reference and pollution, I th- I think. Oh, but okay. um, it's also about pushing it. So this is something I know something about uh, from you know my background, and really, it's something we got to push. People always say not always. A lot of people think, well, this is a problem in China. This is a problem in India we've got to keep on pushing if we're going to leave something for our grandchildren. Here. Right. So, right, right, right. Um,
1: it's a little, but, but it's hidden in there. I mean, you can't, it quite, is, it's it is, it really hidden because like, you, now it's kind of making sense of you saying it, but yeah. I never would have gotten that.
2: Uh, and you know, to be honest that the first time I read it, I didn't get that either. Right. Uh, or the second time
1: or maybe the third,
2: but, <laughs> but <laughs> right. a lot of people live on shores, you know, and, and sea level rise is going to be an issue, but, Musically, the one thing I'd say is his dad, you know, he got a lot of uh, musical influence from his dad, who was a bass player in a band called The Fathoms in the 60s. a Seattle local band. Oh, okay. His dad built basses and played bass. And he sent this to his dad, and his dad said, oh, great bass track on this. Uh, <laughs> he was like, okay, <laughs> nice. my favorite track then. Right, 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 right. But he had, you know, him. his sister's the manager. His brother does uh, video, very family-oriented, uh, you
1: know. I, I did see that. I saw that, which is, yeah, that's nice. Uh, yeah, you're right. He, he does seem like a good guy, which is good, because if, if he was a prick, then it would be much harder to would enjoy be, yeah. this record, right?
2: It's going to be tough to do Van Morrison. <laughs>
1: yeah, there you go. All right, go, uh, going to Sun Road just by uh, investigating. Mm-hmm. I saw Sun Road is a place in Montana. It's a 60-mile stretch of road that only opens for a couple of months every year, and it's where they film the intro to The Shining. Again, a very uh, pet sound j- dish feel, especially in the verses with that walking bass line and the horns, which you said was the, uh, westerlies? the westerlies. Yeah, okay. that's,
2: that's uh, the co- combined group of uh, two trombones, two, uh, two horns. And you ever heard of John Hassel, the no. uh, avant-garde? He did some stuff with Brian Eno. It has kind of a John Hassel weirdness to the trumpets that come in and out of that. there is yeah there yeah. is
1: some weirdness to it yeah. and i love how they're uh subtle you know the trumpet because yeah. a lot of time horns could come in and they'll just like sort of take over the song and overpower but they're yeah. not uh, like that when they're used on this album he does it very subtly and uh, yeah. it's
2: nice so this is glacier national park uh, i've been there but it was closed this road was closed when we right went there right? <laughs> like it's open for like you know three days and then yeah, it freezes yeah, over yeah, yeah. but it does have a beach boys or zombie sound to it and at the very end um he has a Portuguese guy, a Brazilian guy, uh, Tim Bernardes. I, I didn't uh, think that was him. Okay. <laughs> no. So he sent this to Tim and said, hey, what do you think? And he says, hey, let me add something to the song. Let me add a verse. And he's like, ah, shit. Well, you know, it's an hour on. What, what's, what's a minute going to do? <laughs> exactly. So that's the Portuguese
1: that's right. at the end. Uh, okay. Okay. That's nice. That makes sense. All right. Thymia. Uh, an, another, tra- I look at this as another transition type song, right? Yeah. Uh, let's, yeah, let's listen to it. Then we'll talk about it. Let's do a little of Thymia. Pair of t- rolling
0: in the back seat Russell like a
1: This song sets a mood. It's got a feeling, but I can't uh, uh, decipher what he's actually saying. Do you, uh, what do you you got?
2: (laughs) Okay. I think this is just what it says. So he actually was coming back from a camping trip. He's a big camper and backpacker and he heard some tin cups and he left some tin cups in his back. Uh, you know, in the back seat, and they started making a rhythm as they were clanking together.
1: Oh, uh, okay. Okay.
2: And that's it. I don't think we need to dig any deeper. Than and
1: you just had to, no, no, yeah. no. So he's driving and he, and yeah. he had this feeling and that's great. It's yeah. great because that's kind of what the song to me does. It's just got this mood, but it's very vague and right. I can't and, get it, but it's, but it's also very calming. And it is, this is a great road somber. trip.
2: You know, this has an Elliott Smith sound to it a little bit to me, but it's a great road trip album. Because oh, it is. Because for sure. Yes.
1: I've been listening. To, I mean, most stuff I actually have to listen to in my car because that's just how it works out. But this is a really good one for that. Um, All right. So this next one, cradling mother, cradling woman. He actually took a sample of uh, Brian Wilson of Beach Boys accounting, and it's taken from uh, an acapella version of uh, Don't Talk, Put Your Head on My Shoulder, which I guess he had to get uh, permission to use. He I did. Guess he, he, he got did. permission. He did. Uh, it's great from uh, the Pet Sound session, but it's uh, just really uh, just let's listen to it but the way the whole song is put together and everything is kind of amazing this is like a cradling mother thing Believe it or not, even though this is the next to last song uh, on my maybe third or fourth go-around, this is a song that kind of brought the whole album into me and kind of made, made sense for me for the whole album. Because it's a song, it, it, it's another one, it doesn't really have form, it doesn't have a verse or chorus or anything, but it's just about the musicality and the layering of the sounds you do. And obviously this is something that he loved when he was a kid,
2: right? I totally agree that it should be the last song on the album. And, you know, <laughs> it's one of those things, this is a book, this is the last chapter and the next song is like an epilogue. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah but I, I agree. There's a lot to unpack in this one. It's almost like the second song, you know, Sunblind. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Brian Wilson, like you mentioned, Brian Wilson counts it in, but so does Beatrice on a different tempo or... I don't know if you hear that underneath. So Brian's counting at one meter, and then she's counting in at another.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, because it, yeah, it's got that little off a uh, kilter thing, but yeah. I didn't I didn't realize that's and what that. And then, what
2: does this sound like anybody to you? That the the horns kind of mimic Philip Glass to me.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, well, yeah, because it has that circular layer yeah. type thing going on. Yeah,
2: right. Uh, but then it sounds like Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young a little bit more too. But. <laughs> um, I just love the drumming on this. And so, um, he, he backpacked in the Himalayas by himself, which again, older, wiser, he said he'd never do again. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Well, good, good. What could go wrong there? Right. (laughs) But, um, uh, he misinterpreted the name of a mountain that he saw there um, and that's how he got the name of this. Like he thought that this is what it meant in uh, Tibetan. Oh, or, you know, and, and <laughs> that's great. it's not great. what it meant, but, You know. <laughs> Good on him for keeping it. <laughs> yeah, he tried. Yeah. <laughs> right. But it's more about the. this is about the balance of life. You know, you know, life is not just joy and happiness. It's also pain and, you know, and sorrow. Right. And he recognizes that in this song. Um, he mentions uh, Sheltering Sky and I don't know if this is really the, a reference to the Paul Bowles' existential novel. Right, right, right. But, um, you know, that uh, Bernardo Bertolucci did a, a, a movie about. Right. But uh, I think it is, because it's about that, you know, how long do we have? We don't know how long we have.
1: Right, right.
2: And, you know, especially with your scare recently, and you, you wonder, in my retirement, you, you look back and you say, well, how many how many Thanksgivings do we have as a family together? Yeah. And it's not 50. <laughs> It might be 20. All right. Don't, 20. Don't, uh, but, but I mean, it makes you would okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll bring it back. And that's where we got the last song to not uh, drag you down, but it, it is an upbeat song and it does, it just says, I recognize that, you know, there's good and bad in life and that's the mature part, you know, of understanding how life works. Right.
1: All right. So uh, uh, before we talk about the last song, which like you said, works more, uh, like an epilogue for an album and it is the the title track. Have you read it all or do you know what, like what does the rest of his band think about him just making this album on his own and not? I mean, I would think it would be bummed.
2: (laughs) I think, I don't know why they haven't said anything or maybe I just haven't found anything. Right. But he is touring with them. So he he uses them as the tour band consistently. So it's not like he jettisoned them like, you know, uh, like the E Street Band or the Heartbreakers or something like that. He, he did the album with these guys, partly out of necessity. Okay. Um, partly because I think he wanted a different feel, but he's touring
1: with the regular band again. I would like yeah. to see this played live. Like a lot of these songs, okay. I would really like to see this uh, Okay, they're live. coming
2: to Orlando in mid-June. Really? Yeah, okay. uh, they're touring, and what sucks is I'll be in uh, Europe at that time. Ah, so I should go then. You'd be
1: jealous. You'd be so jealous of me. If I, I go would be. <laughs> I would be extremely jealous. Right, my I friend. may do that. <laughs> yeah, just to piss me off. Yep. Well, you know. That's, well, uh, that's just a. Bonus. We have to take our little wins in life when we can. <laughs> All right. So this is the final track listen and the title track. Sure. I'm sure you read about the inspiration for this.
2: Well... Why don't you start? And I've got a couple things. I, in, don't
1: I saw, well, I saw in 2017, he was, uh, he had an accident while he was surfing in California. Oh, the riptide. And thing. the yeah. rope, yeah, mm-hmm. the rope attached to his surfboard snapped. He lost the board. And as he was swimming back, he got caught in the current. Mm-hmm. And it took him like, to, like 15, 20 minutes to swim back to the beach. And when he and he was getting hit by the waves. So when he finally got to the shore, he was lucky that, that he felt lucky that he managed to make it there. And that, you could look at that. As a metaphor for the whole album.
2: I think it is. You know, getting back to shore. You know, at the beginning of the album, the title of the album is all about, you know, going through water and coming back in. You know, he was three three years from his last album, and there was a six-year break before that. So I think a lot of it is, you know, thankfulness. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, right, right. That's what I got because he did. And I read a quote, which was great. He said... I'm thankful that I have a career in this that's doing something I love and I could actually make a living at it and I could take time off and do it. And I'm thankful and that's great. You should be thankful. Right, <laughs> for right. That. Yeah, yeah, how many people would kill for that? Exactly. I mean, obviously, exactly.
2: he's got a, a bucket load of talent. Yeah. You know, right, so there's right. that.
1: But there's plenty but, of people that have a bucket load of talent. That,
2: uh, but, but he appreciates the luckiness too. The you know, yeah, he was in the right yeah, spot right, at right, the right, right time. Right, right. Uh, you know, he was in Seattle when the Seattle sound was coming through. There's just a, a a bunch of interest. So one of the stories I remember, he he was eight or nine, and he had gotten some money from uh, modeling as a kid, and he went to the uh, the the CD store, the record store, and put down two hundred bucks and got a bunch of CDs. Oh, okay, yeah, all grunge, all Seattle stuff. But it was so much that the the clerk said, no, nah, where'd you get this money, kid?" And right. His mom had to come in
1: and vouch and <laughs> and for he him, didn't just steal it. You know, that's great. Yeah. So he, he was, you know. He, oh, and that's funny. He made so he made his like he, uh, his music collection. That's funny because me and we, I yeah. don't when me and Tom first got it, we were talking about the uh, uh, Columbia Music Club where you got like twelve albums for like a penny, a penny. Yeah. And, uh, and 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 that's how me and him both got. And a lot of kids, people our age, got albums at the they ended up loving and were a big part of them through that. Or, or at the
2: very least, you could take some of them back into the record store and trade, for trade them for that something. That was you know, actually good. But you could yeah. get lit Nick Lowe, you could get Elvis Costello that way. It was just a, a great way to build your collection. Right. This talks about, you know, once again, David Berman, John Prine, his niece. Right. He,
1: he mentions it again at the mm-hmm. end. He brings them up again.
2: Yeah. So this is just being thankful. Really, it's just an epilogue of I'm just lucky to be here. I'm lucky. I'm alive, and I'm lucky to get the chance to to do this for a living.
1: Right, right. Because I mean, he's mentioning uh, his heroes, people that aren't around yeah. anymore that couldn't do it. Jeff Buckley uh, is another one I think of when yes. I hear this. Yep, yep. Right, right. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, yeah. Wow. So what a, what a, like I said, what a dense, deep record that I wouldn't have expected to come from you, but I'm glad that you're still listening to new stuff and adventurous enough to do it because I don't know that I, if you would, if, you know, if I didn't have to listen to this for the show, if you just said, Hey Rob, you should check it out. I'd probably say, Oh yeah, I will. But I probably never would (laughs) have.
2: Oh, a lot of my friends, like you're doing a podcast for who? Yeah, right, you know, the, right, right. <laughs> even the last one, the feeling's like, who? Yeah, right. I had to go back <laughs> to The Clash. Oh, yeah, we know The Clash. But, oh, yeah. right, right, But But right, um, right. I looked at your previous episodes, and i just like to mention, speaking of building off of this, there are 13 episodes that I looked at, listened to again. That I'll pay, you know, that he basically get his influences. From. Oh, okay, okay. So can I read them real fast? Do oh, it, really yeah, fast. do it. Uh, Curtis Mayfield from Alan Zwig Zwick? Uh, Zwick. Zwick, thank you. Cosby, still Nash & Young from Kristen McLean. Sandy Denny from... Rat bastard. I'll yeah. oh, mention him again. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say name redacted. <laughs> Sydney, uh, Sid Baird from Corey DeBrowa. Yes. The Birds with yes. John Strom. Love, yes. They actually mentioned yes in some... I, I wouldn't see that as an influence, but... That's right, from Matt yes. Wilson, the go-betweens from Steve the number Michener. one uh, Steve Michener. Yes. Neutral Milk Hotel from Fernie Copel, Purple Mountains, you know, that's Dave Berman that's from right. Rachel Angel. You know, I'd never heard... I didn't know what he'd done... After Silver G's. I lost him. Oh, okay. okay. So, well, and, me too. Same yeah. with me. And the, yeah, that was definitely a Nick Drake. Sadly, he's mentioned twice now. Yes, well, from Rad right again. <laughs> uh, I just mentioned Jeff Buckley from uh, Emil Blair, Milgram, and then Joni Mitchell. He had some tunings that he picked up from Joni Mitchell. Uh, oh, okay.
1: I John could see Camacho. that. I could see that. Yeah, yeah. The right. Oh, yeah, so oh, look at I that. mean,
2: yeah, I mean, you got a ton of. Um, so it's it's not. I look at this as a uh, you know kind of a analog to. He picks up a lot of things, but you have just, you know, at almost 300 episodes, a great build of... Thank you. It, yeah. It's
1: not just, uh, just a, a punk rock podcast. It's not. <laughs> You're all over the place. And that's I what I love about, about it. Place. I now have no idea what's going to be next week. Great. Right. Well, that's great. You know, mm-hmm. what a great precursor to, uh, to getting out and saying, uh, you know, if you enjoy the show, if you, if you like listening to it, you haven't pulled the trigger to become a patron, that would be a great time. You can go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH and for as little as $2 a month, you could become a patron of the show. You could participate in uh, patron episodes, which are awesome. They're, they're fun. I'm they are a lot of fun. fun. Yeah. And you'll have more. You you'll definitely should contribute. You're retired now, so you have no con- uh, excuse not I've to to I've only missed one. Everyone. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, don't forget, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook. It's at That Record Got Me High. Also, that Facebook group got me high. On Twitter, it's at TRGMH Podcast. Uh, you can email me at TRGMH33 at gmail.com. Tom, this was great. I love drove down. Me and Tom are going to get some lunch before I have to run off to work. I uh, sadly cannot. I'll probably retire. Maybe when I'm like 80, I'll be able to retire. <laughs> so hopefully I'll. Still, Let's uh, hope it's before that, but it's been a blast. Yeah, it was great having you. And thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you all next week. I'm Rob Elba. We're out of here. Get it. Excellent.